Eoch Tanuyap, Kuiget Yuans Kuyensna. Hi, everybody. My name is Kuiget Yuans. I'm a member of the Squamish Nation and the Yagalanis Clan of the Haida Nation. You're listening to Co op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. We live, work, play, and broadcast from the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil Nations. to Each for All, the Cooperative Connection on Vancouver Co-op Radio, 100.5 FM and online at coopradio.org. I'm Sandy Goldman. Anak Publishing is a worker cooperative based in Winnipeg. It produces Filipino-Canadian content aimed at bridging cross-cultural understanding. Daisy D. Bautista is the manager and one of four worker owners. I began our discussion by asking how Anak's cooperative journey got started. Have a listen. Our worker co-op came together um, kind of on the side as a a passion project, to be honest. Um, There was a number of us working together, volunteering with a youth organization called Action ng Ateng Kabataan, uh, which translates to our our youth in action um, in Filipino. And the goal of this nonprofit uh, is to sort of bridge the gaps we found um, navigating in our in our in and outside of our community um, gaps between uh, generations, between um, uh, cultural misunderstandings, both in and outside the community. And so, through that organization, we were looking through means of um, education, mentorship, and resource creation. And through through that resource. Uh, creation aspect, um, this publishing idea came about. Um, initially, it was like, well, how do we bring resources to where we are? We're, we're raised in Winnipeg, in Manitoba. And in Canada in general, the relationship of uh, the Canada and the Philippines differs from something like the U.S. and the Philippines, which has more of a uh, are more politically in, involved. And so the resources such as books and things that you find in the U.S. are um, maybe more plentiful, but the there's nuance that's, that differs between there and Canada. And can so you we just wanted, say, sorry, yeah. can you just say more about that difference? Because you're educating uh, us along the way here and we're, we're hungry to learn. Oh, sure. Uh, so it adds with anything, right? Um, you ask someone 
in Canada, what makes them Canadian. Um, and it would be, I jokingly say, uh, I remember hearing a lot like, well, we're not American, right? right. <laughs> um, and so that, that kind of folds over as well uh, with ethnocultural communities. And just in general, uh, with any um, cu cultural background, there, there's, you could never say anything's a monolith, right? So what we wanted to do was capture our stories and capture the stories of our uh, of, of our, our community. Um, for myself, I'm born and raised in Winnipeg. And so what does it mean for me as a second generation uh, Filipino-Canadian? And the uh, aspect of um, belonging and what that means and um, how, how to connect with a, uh, a culture that is innate for folks for some folks who who immigrated or um or even just like how, how how connected they are but then also what like carries through regardless and what kind of shared experiences do we find what shared struggles do we do we find and so even just to, ca to capture those things um was something that we we wanted to do and why we came about in the worker cooperative model is that we all had different uh, di different things that we brought. So I mentioned myself being born and, and raised in Winnipeg as a second generation had that perspective, um, but there was also uh, people of like 1.5 generation who came really young. So they re uh, still still had that connection to, to the Philippines, um, but were growing up through formative years in Canada. And then you also have like newcomers um, sharing that perspective and how we were lumped together because visibly we may all be, appear to be from uh, the same background, but how we already have all those differences and then how we navigate being lumped together um, while still trying to understand each other. And the the worker cooperative model provided us the opportunity to all take equal ownership and bringing those perspectives forward in how we carry out our business. Um, I mentioned that it's like a passion project because we all have our own full-time jobs. We all also, also have different professional backgrounds. Um, and this publishing uh, venture uh, was very learn as we go um, right and we've 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 we've, come, we've been around for since 2010 and I still feel like we're, we're learning so much um, it's an interesting industry to be a part of how many members are there worker owners of the Abanak publishing are there uh, presently there are four right um we've we've had some some cycle through uh, uh and although I think we could easily um grow to have more of like a full-time demand it's if oh, we don't have the capacity to, <laughs> to 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 manage um ourselves in that way uh so we are quite small but we take on big dreams <laughs> so it's a bit of a challenge in that sense right so tell yeah. us about some of the projects that you've undertaken um to tell the stories, I guess, of Filipino Canadians. When I say Filipino, I just want to be correct. Can I say that and and put women and men together, or do I? How do I talk about your community in a way that's correct? Um, 
I guess, uh, dictionary definition. Yes, that's correct. Um, and I think that's part of the things that we're exploring. So projects that we, we've, we've taken do explore, explore that aspect exactly. So um, the Philippines was colonized by Spain um, for centuries. <laughs> and, right. and I think that that legacy um, is similar to the Latino, Latina, Latinx community. And so there's this movement that's mainly happening in North America that to, to address your question, where, where, where it asks that Filipino versus Filipino versus Filipinex. Um, and on, on, honestly, we we just want to create space for that kind of conversation and, and that acknowledgement of those those variances. Um, so uh, one of our projects um, was actually our first to to work outside of Manitoba. Um, at, was an anthology called Home is in the Body, a 2S, 2S LGBTQIA plus Filipinx femme north of the 49th parallel, um, which captures the story and artworks of of uh, of, of, a, of, a, of a broad range community um, and uses that word Filipinx. Um, and um, this is a sort of North American concept, because if you talk to folks in the Philippines, um, the word Filipino has revolutionary ties where Filipinos were not as 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 they are now. Um, Filipinos were, were of Spanish descent. They weren't the indigenous peoples of the country. And so taking ownership of the word Filipino has pride in it as well. Mm. Um, so it's 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 layered. And I think what um what what's interesting to have conversation on is to not is to try and be like be like well because you use one doesn't negate the other it's the having the space for both having the space for all similar to the different generations that we have um having the this this the space for for acknowledging all of our different experiences, I think similarly with the language. And I think with Philippines itself, it's an archipelago of over 7,000 islands. And so even the language um, Filipino is mostly based in Tagalog, which is around the capital region, but there's other languages and dialects that are fully immersed in, in community as well that um, don't get the same kind of recognition. Which is also a, a funny thing. Um, so our latest uh, book is um, uh, called Manok or Chicken. It's yeah, a I saw that. Yeah, it's a children's book, and it's the first time we're publishing um, that's in a in a different in a different language. And even in promoting this thing, saying it's the second largest language spoken in the Philippines, um, I'm I'm getting uh, or hearing back. Oh, yeah, it's another dialect. And so even just that slight like degrading of a language to a being a dialect instead it's like what is politically motivating you to use that terminology um instead of full-fledged understanding that there, there's a peoples who's who have their own way of speaking so it's, it's it's an interesting thing to navigate yeah it's it's really fascinating um there's so much that goes into uh the projects that you choose and I guess the artists that you you support, who's the writers and illustrators in that, um, you're making yourself known uh, to them, or how are those relationships developing? That's very interesting. Um, it 
it's it's been very uh, organic. Um, we started off mainly locally, so through the uh, work of the nonprofit and our own things. We, so first, we started with our very first publication, which was um, a children's book called Where's Winnipeg, um, which follows a, a story of a, a child who's going to be immigrating and not knowing where they're going, and they go around their town asking, well, where's Winnipeg? And they get some pretty cute and interesting uh, responses. But that was the the author's um break from their serious work, which is actually more historically based. So they, they were actually working on the, the history book first and they needed a break and made a children's book. Um, so that one was, it was about the capturing our stories bit. So the waves of migration to Manitoba differ for our community than in other um, other cities in Canada even. Um, the, the push and pull factors were uh, different. Um, and so our First publication of From Manila to Manitoba focuses on the first wave of migration, which was healthcare professionals. Um, my parents immigrated through the um, garment industry recruitment um, in the 70s. So just to give a sense of the, the, the different things that there are. Um, and so we were focused mainly locally and so on these kind of projects, uh, oral history uh, being a lot of our, our our thrust of wanting to capture those stories of our of our community. Um, how Homans in the Body came about is was at a conference at McGill in in 2019, um, and the editor of that book um, was already was working on a photography project and it kind of just was like well what if it turned into a book hey and a publishing is also at this conference let's let's talk <laughs> um, and then it turned into opening up for submissions where all these other artists um, also some who attended the conference um, it just kind of grew organically and so for that being our first national project connected us to other people um, like Alan Matudio, who's also based out of Montreal, um, who was working on his graphic novel. Uh, and when we saw his work was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And his, so this is his first publication. His background is like in, um, uh, I think he, he works in like video games and other kind of uh, digital illustration things. So this was his first venture to that. And, he, and it was weird how when we met, it was almost like, okay, understand how we're a very small publisher and this is what we can offer. But his perspective was, you're a small publisher, but you understand where I'm coming from. Right. You, under you understand what I'm trying to accomplish with this with this work. And similarly with the other works we publish as well, um, there's a comedian based out of Toronto who wrote a book of poetry. Hers was her doing an exercise for herself to not be scared of putting herself um to create, not being scared of creating. She was just posting poetry on Instagram. And um, one of her followers was like, you need to talk to publishing because I would love to have this as a book. And we were also already following her, at, knowing her as a comedian. And it was like, yeah, let's talk. That's terrific. So you're building yeah. uh, quite a network like across the country with other Filipino artists, mm -hmm. uh, writers, illustrators, poets. Um, and I understand, is that the graphic novel you referred to that was picked up by the University of Manitoba? Yes, that was. Um, Tell us about that, because that's a big step. Yeah, it was quite exciting. Um, so 
Dr. Lucas Tromley um, is an English professor at the University of Manitoba, and he put on a Filipino-Canadian comic symposium um, digitally uh, online uh, and invited the creator of Kasama. Um, and I, he ordered the book from us as well during that time um, and decided to put it as part of his class. Um, and it became required reading for a second year English course um, on comics. <laughs> so terrific. Yeah, it's cool for students as well. I, I, I wasn't, uh, it's, it's great that um, literature courses include that, um, that kind of work, that it's not just all classics um, or what, what, what would be like novels and, and things that people would be accustomed to. That is including um, graphic novels, which is, yeah. which, which yeah. have a huge following. Um, you know, I read in the literature that you tr try to explore the struggle of being, as you call it, uh, hyphenated Canadians. Can you, can you tell us a bit more about that in terms of uh, the Filipino uh, community or the people that you're involved with, let's say, or the community in general there? Uh, if you can, um, yeah. So it's 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 just really exploring intersectionalities, right? So um, I could only only speak for myself in in my experience as a second generation um, Filipino Canadian um, that there's there's this sense of trying to navigate the feeling of never being enough. Um, so. Visibly, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a minority, um, but I'm not an immigrant, and so I'm. I remember when when the nonprofit even just first started, and we were trying to um, uh, seek funding for our mentorship program. We were told that we were too ethno-specific, and where, where's the Canadian in the work we were doing? And meanwhile, we were working with high school youth who are in. The Canadian, you know, system. education system, yeah, exactly. So it's like, uh, so we're 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 navigating, um, what, how how do we, like, how 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 do we like claim to be Canadian outside of like citizenship? Like, is that the only thing that that makes you Canadian? Um, when even me being born and raised here, still also find that struggle of being othered. But then same goes within the community as well. Um, in our mentorship program, it was um, a reciprocal program in that we were um, working with newcomer youth and the mentors were, were mainly second generation or 1.5. So it was an opportunity to reconnect, but it was also an opportunity to connect in general. Um, we were learning that the immigrant experience comes with all these like fears, a lot, of course, a lot of adjusting, but um, there's some stereotypes that come with like, oh, those Canadian-born ones, they're gonna be, they're they're gonna be this or that. They're gonna they're gonna they they because they land of milk and honey kind of ideas. Right. Um, so so we were raised with a silver spoon, which is so not the case. Um, and they think that they'll be looked down on then. <laughs> Exactly, as so immigrants, they, as newcomers. Yeah, which is which is which is unfortunate. Um, but then we also have, but we, not not to say that that doesn't happen. Like I think we also had um, someone share their experience of their first experience of racism was coming from within the communities, because mm. again, it's not a monolith, right? There's there's multiple um, uh, com 
communities and, and cultures, a lot of regionalisms that 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 occur as well, and um, classism is also a thing. Uh, in Winnipeg, I think what also is is uh, a bit unique for us is where our community is situated. We're very much because Winnipeg is such a small city; it has a small town feel, even though it's the capital of the province. So it's got this kind of like dual thing to to navigate as well but um in terms of immigration settlement um our communities is, is are, are pretty dense in the north and the west of the city and so we're unavoidable <laughs> um, in, in these areas and but so just looking at us you might not know whether we're immigrant or born here or third, even third generation at this point um and and so this this hyphen that we're navigating is, is is all of that combined um we went yeah so it was really just our experiences of, of growing up in the city and things that we wished we we would have had growing up that we'd want to create and provide like um so uh the the opportunities connected to to um dismiss some of these preconceived notions. Um, when I was, I remember mentoring oh, by the end of the school year, um, my the, my mentee was like, confided in me and said, you know, I was I was really scared when I was told I would be partnered with you. Because <laughs> of Why what is I that? thought. Because of what she thought a Canadian born would be like. Wow. Um, and, and I was like, I, uh, and similarly, like I, uh, I, I know, I, I've lost a lot of the the language of my parents. Um, partly also of the times uh, when my, I'm the youngest of three. My when my brother started school, the teachers told my parents, "You have to speak English at home, or else he's never going to get anywhere." Um, and so, being the youngest, I feel like I know the least amount of of, of Tagalog. And so, going into these spaces um, where we're like speak however you want to speak the worst case scenario someone will ask what that means and so it gives us also as matters the reciprocal aspect of being able to try and speak and um and try and have like opportunities to try and build that confidence again in 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 the language um so so creating those spaces to connect um creating opportunities to uh of I, th I think another thing that that I like to talk about is um um uh, the definition of success and what that means um so uh, how ed education provides an opportunity to to a lot of things but there's also learning for the sake of learning there's um uh, that not everything is about money um right. and i think and that so in choosing a career path for example um there are a lot of options um and so like including the trades um it's it's not limited to uh i don't know i, I think that the stereotypical professions that uh that often immigrant communities are are encouraged into is what is it doctor lawyer um you know the, the ones that would would assume to be to provide security right. financially who was instrumental along 
um, your cooperative journey, uh, that part of like learning about co-ops and how to incorporate and that sort of thing. So we were working with uh, SEED Winnipeg, um, stands for uh, Supporting Employment and Economic Development. Uh, it's a community economic development um, organization in the city mm-hmm. that uh, uh, looks at um, entrepreneurship um, as alternative to barriers people face in employment and mm-hmm. job creation and things like that. So uh, they also had um, some named uh, Terry Prue. Uh, who worked with us um, navigating the, the the cooperative aspect. Um, and in working with her, um, she was also uh, helped us apply for grants uh, in our development. Um, we received a grant from the Mantapa Cooperative Association. Uh, it's where we got the computers that we're still using to today. <laughs> um, um, and and yeah, it's just been, it, it's, it's just been um, uh, a, a real sense of, of community being part of the cooperative movement, um, attending like the worker, Canadian Worker Cooperative. Uh, oh yeah, terrific um, organization. Uh, you get support yeah. from them, CWCF. Yeah, uh, so even just like the the the, the knowledge building. Um, at the time there was a, a bookstore cafe called Mondragon um, okay. here. Um, and so we were coming at it from the uh, let's create it now how do we get it to places so they were the bookstore that we first talked with about like how what what the industry standards were um how things were split and stuff and so even just being able to talk to other worker co-ops or co-ops and to learn the industry in that way um we're not familiar with any other publishing cooperatives that things that make it challenging, and also just in, in terms of like the scope of the things we want to create or people who want to create with us, not knowing what a publisher does, like we can't print everything. We're not even a printer, <laughs> um, so like how does how does how do we navigate that in the actually like honing in on um, what the, the scope of ideas that folks have and what's actually producible and. Um, even though we we are very uh, uh, prideful in in the things that we want to create and and started from a place of just wanting to share all the different kind of stories, the reality is is that still as a worker cooperative, it's still a business, and so we do face all those kind of challenges. The pandemic hit us hard. Right. Um, the the industry for books is still struggling yeah. um, in a lot of ways. And I think that there's a lot of things that we also um, are purposely doing, like working with independent bookstores only, um, and a lot of the uh, uh, local things that we do. Um, that I'm mean- going to give a, a shout out to the People's Co-op Bookstore here in Vancouver. Yeah. Have you connected with them? They have homeless in the body. Um, okay. Yeah, I would not- think that they yeah. did. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, so, you're really, it's quite a learning curve, isn't it? Mm-hmm, and, absolutely. But, you're, but it, it must be really fascinating. And uh, we know that you got recognition uh, in 2023 from the Manitoba Co-op Association. You uh, were awarded the Cooperative Achievement Award. Uh, what does that mean for you folks? Oh, it was, it was an honor um, because we've been at this for a while and it's and in those uh the 
reasons why we all kind of together was all felt very personal to be recognized from the outside was just kind of like, whoa, okay, there's there's more to this than just our own little bubble. <laughs> um, and I think just, just the um, struggle of of carry, carrying through being being recognized as, is uh i think something that speaks for uh worker cops in general because i think at the time when we were starting there were there were several who who are no longer around which is uh which is sad so um to know that there's still this community of support that's out there is, uh, um wishing us the best uh sure. that, that's kind of like gives us a little push to, to continue well we hope that you do continue and uh, we really appreciate you spending time with us today um there's so much that you're doing there and and uh it it, it must be really invigorating uh to see your publications uh and artists that you're meeting the other people in the filipino community across canada and the stories that you're telling i really excited for what you're doing and uh, we hope that you continue doing it for a long time. Thank you for telling those stories and, and uh, working together cooperatively as a worker co-op. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me again. That was Daisy D. Bautista, manager of ANAC Publishing Worker Co-op in Winnipeg. That's it for this edition of Each for All the Cooperative Connection. Thanks to my fellow cooperator, Joshua Peterman, for putting all the pieces together. I'm Sandy Goldman. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and have a cooperative week.